Welcome to the Allegory of Spots podcast series. Thanks for joining. In each episode, we introduce a new spot. We talk about how spots hinder our progression mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically, and how to overcome any spot that may be holding you back. As you begin to move and apply the things you learn, you'll start to see weaknesses become strengths, and you'll begin to see and feel greater light come into your lives. I am Dan, and thanks for joining. I'll be your host for this episode. The topic is unrighteous judgment. Have you ever judged? Or have you ever felt that people have judged you? Have you ever noticed how easy it is to see shortcomings and faults in others, and yet how painfully difficult it is to look deep within ourselves at our own weakness and recognize our own personal need for change? Here's a scripture from the New Testament, Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 to 5. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast the mote out of thy brother's eye. Scholars that understand Greek and the translation process of the King James Version of the Bible state that the word mote can also be translated as speck, something as small as a tiny dust particle, or some other minuscule foreign object that irritates the eye. In contrast, the Greek term for for which the word beam is translated means a large log, such as a building timber. Have you ever been around a contact lens-wearing person, especially the older hard contact lenses? They may have expressed at times how a tiny speck of dust felt to them like a log was in their eye. The wearer could not even see at all until the speck was removed, because the pain was so great from the speck of dust under the contact lens. There is a scripture that talks about judging not. There are many times in our everyday life where we need to judge. As an example, those of you that are drivers of vehicles know the frustration of making a left turn at a busy intersection without a dedicated left turn light to stop all traffic but for those making left turns. As a driver, you must judge the speed and intentions of the oncoming traffic. Many times your only chance for a break in traffic so that you can complete your turn is after the light turns yellow. And then you have to judge if oncoming traffic is going to obey the yellow signal that they see on their side of the intersection and stop before the light turns red, thus allowing you to complete your turn. Back to the biblical scholars about translating from Greek. The Greek word from which judge is translated in this verse does not mean to discern or to appraise something in order to make a wise decision. Its meaning is much harsher than that simple evaluation, it means to condemn. In this context, the word judge implies sentencing someone to death or to prison. This creates a very harsh or direct visual and not the general term that we're used to using in English. Jesus is teaching us to not make a judgment about someone's spiritual standing with the Lord, us assuming that he is unworthy or is unacceptable before God, because of our personal biases or misconceptions. This spot is upon you if you find yourself gossiping, criticizing, or condemning a person 
and yet you yourself may also be guilty of the same actions or thoughts. This scripture from Romans chapter 2 verse 1, the Apostle Paul declares, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whatsoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. One of the reasons that we are not given the power or the, quote, judgment card is that we judge with unrealistic or unfair expectations. This story from a talk given by Jeffrey R. Holland, an apostle in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, illustrates this point very well. In this talk given several years ago, he shared a dream that he had many years earlier. He relayed that he had just disciplined his son, sent him to bed without the customary bedtime story and prayers. Elder Holland's quote, I told him how disappointed I was and how much more I thought I could have expected of him. He then recounted the troubling dream that came to him in the night. I dreamed Matt and I were packing two cars for a move. For some reason, his mother and baby sister were not present. As we finished, I turned to him and said, Okay, Matt, you drive one car and I'll drive the other. This five-year-old very obediently crawled up on the seat and tried to grasp the massive steering wheel. I walked over to the other car and started the motor. As I began to pull away, I looked to see how my son was doing. He was trying, oh, how he was trying. He tried to reach the pedals, but he couldn't. He was also turning knobs and pushing buttons, trying to start the motor. He could scarcely be seen over the dashboard. But there staring out at me were those same immense, tear-filled, beautiful brown eyes. As I pulled away, he cried out, Daddy, don't leave me. I don't know how to do it. I'm too little. And I drove away. A short time later, driving down that desert road in my dream, I suddenly realized in one stark, horrifying moment what I had done. I slammed my car to a stop, threw open the door, and started to run as fast as I could. I left car, keys, belongings, and all, and I ran. The pavement was so hot it burned my feet, and tears blinded my straining effort to see this child somewhere on the horizon. I kept running, praying, pleading to be forgiven and to find my boy safe and secure. As I rounded a curve nearby, ready to drop from physical and emotional exhaustion, I saw the unfamiliar car I'd left Matt to drive. It was pulled carefully off to the side of the road, and he was laughing and playing nearby. An older man was with him, playing and responding to his games. Matt saw me and called out something like, Hi, Dad. We're having fun. Obviously, he had already forgiven and forgotten my terrible transgression against him. But I dreaded the older man's gaze, which followed my every move. I tried to say, thank you, but his eyes were filled with sorrow and disappointment. I muttered an awkward apology, and the stranger said simply, You should not have left him alone to do this difficult thing. It would not have been asked of you. With that, the dream ended, and I shot upright in bed. My pillow was now stained, whether with perspiration or tears, I do not know. Thus concludes Elder Holland's story. 
Another example is how we judge ourselves. We condemn ourselves because of some unrealistic or unfair expectation we're trying to attain. This is a perfectionist mentality that no matter what we do, it is never good enough. This trait is a spot from Satan trying to pull you down, self-loathing. As we've discussed the various aspects of this spot of unrighteous judgment, we have learned that people judge others based on false understandings, false information, and by false truths. That we as mortals were never handed the, quote, judgment card. This is reserved solely for Jesus Christ, and we must not judge ourselves or others with unfair expectations. At the end of each episode, you'll hear us repeat the steps on how to remove your spots. It's simple. There are four steps in the process. Number one, start by making a comprehensive list of all the things in your life that you need to get rid of, or repent of, or even be healed from. You'll know when your list is complete, when you feel you've included all the items that come to mind. Number two, take an inventory of what you're feeding your spirit. Because what you feed your spirit is what feeds your flesh. Your body will follow your spirit. Number three, now that you've identified the spots, let's get rid of them or cast them off. And here's how you do that. Present your list to God through prayer. Ask him for help. Ask him to remove your spots, to literally take them from you. Ask God to remove and offload all your burdens, your stresses, and your concerns. Stop trying to carry them alone. They weren't meant for you to carry. And number four, once you've finished steps one through three, it's time to start the process again. Only this time, dig a little deeper into your soul, searching out even the smallest of spots you might have overlooked or not even recognized. Ask God to reveal them. He has a way of bringing them to the surface. And finally, continue these steps until you've completely cleansed yourselves of any and all spots. Then move forward day by day using the atonement of Jesus Christ to keep yourself unspotted.